This is The Gathering Church in Windsor, Ontario, and I'm Pastor Garth Lino. Welcome to our podcast. Uh, Would you take your Bibles now, or your Bible app, and turn to a New Testament book called the Book of Acts? Acts is located after the four Gospels, or the Jesus books. If you want to learn about Jesus, you go to Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, follows that, and we want Acts chapter 9 this morning. John Wooden was probably the most revered of the coaches in the history of college basketball. And John gives most of the credit for his success to his father. John tells a story from his childhood that really reveals how important his dad was to him, but how much he learned from his father who dealt with one particular uh, difficult situation. Many years ago, the county in which the Wooden family lived would pay local farmers to take teams of horses, so you know it was a while ago, to take teams of horses into the gravel pits that were scattered throughout the county and, and, and haul out large loads of gravel. Some pits were deeper than others. And sometimes it would be hard for a team to pull a wagon completely filled to the brim with gravel out through the wet sand and up the steep incline. As John is telling this story, according to the plot line, there's a a young farmer, a young guy who's trying to get his team to pull a, a full load up the steep embankment. And he's cussing at these horses, and he's got a long switch, and he's, he's just wailing on these beautiful plow horses, and they're frothing at the mouth and stomping their feet, and they're pulling back from him. John Wooden's father watched this scene unfold for a few minutes, and then he walked over to the young farmer and said, hey, let me take him for you. And in his own words, John writes, Dad started talking to the horses almost whispering to them and stroking their noses with a soft touch. And then he walked between them, holding their bridles and bits while he continued talking very calmly and very gently as they settled down. Gradually, he stepped out in front of them and gave a little to get them moving forward. And within minutes, those two big plow horses pulled the wagon out of the gravel pit as easy as could be, as if they were happy to do it. You know, so much more can be accomplished with a confident, steady, calm approach. And that's exactly what we find in the early verses of Proverbs chapter 4. You have your Bible or your Bible app open to Proverbs 4. And once again, we encounter this father figure. For those of you who haven't been here for previous sermons in Proverbs, there's this character who appears in this book and he's, he's constantly speaking uh, words of wisdom into the lives of people who will listen. And in, this, and in this case, this wise father is addressing his sons. And he's speaking into their lives and trying to train them up in the way they should go. But instead of raising his voice and cursing, instead of getting out the switch and threatening or intimidating his sons, the father speaks with quiet, confident wisdom about the only path to life. First of all, he tells them how to get going on the right path. Verse 1. Hear, O sons, a father's instruction, and be attentive that you may gain insight. 
For I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. When I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast my words, keep my commandments, and live. See, here we're, we're overhearing a father speak boldly, courageously, wisely, and calmly into the lives of his sons, his teenage sons. He's coaching them in wisdom. Oh, how I wish I had a, a father figure like that in my life when I was a teenager. Didn't have that. Seemed to choose all the wrong paths along the way. This guy wants to make sure his boys get started on the right path. And he starts out by telling them how he learned when he was a boy. When I was a son with my father, he taught me and said, let your heart hold fast my words. And and so the father is telling his son how his father taught him. It's like we're being invited into this family circle, this family tradition of passing on wisdom. We get to witness how one generation hands the baton of faith to another successfully. What a privilege that is to have this kind of uh, front row seat into one generation training up another. We, we learn how to get going on the right path many times by watching other people. Uh, if, you're a, if you're an apprentice welder, you work alongside of a journeyman welder and watch what he does and listen to what he says. Well, the same thing with getting on the right path to life. We often learn by watching others. Watching our parents, watching our grandparents. Uh, we watch our pastors, we watch our, our elders. We, we listen to our teachers and mentors and coaches. And, and we get smarter, and we get wiser as time goes on. We can actually find the right path to life. Recently I found my ordination certificate, 8.5 by 11, framed certificate. It was in the bottom of a plastic Rubbermaid tote at the back of my closet. It's been there for years. And I, I took out my ordination certificate, decided I'd hang it on the wall again. It's been a number of years. There are six signatures on that ordination certificate. When I was ordained into the gospel ministry in 1946, <laughs> I was ordained into the gospel ministry, and all of those men. Six of them who signed my ordination certificate were all following Jesus and leading churches. Now most of them are dead, uh, but they they all fought the good fight. They all finished the race. All six of them finished the race and kept the faith. And they helped me to get on the right path. I learned the right path from those guys. The path of ministry. And the New Testament says in, in Hebrews thirteen seven, Remember your leaders. Those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. So we need leaders to follow. Right? Industry leaders, spiritual leaders, community leaders. We need good leaders to follow. Especially if they're speaking the word of God to us. We need that. We need their input. We don't have to imitate their style. I'm not sure you'd appreciate if I tried to imitate J. Vernon McGee. 
or anybody else. We don't have to imitate their style. We don't have to adopt their dress or their music preferences. But we'd be foolish not to imitate their faith. And the very best leaders are the leaders who consistently point us to Jesus, right? That's the leader you want to follow. Somebody who's always pointed to Jesus, not to self, not to an organization, but to Jesus. You get going on the right path by heeding the advice of godly leaders who are pointing to Jesus, making much of Jesus, exalting Jesus, teaching and preaching about Jesus. One day, Jesus said to the guys who were with him, I am the way and the truth and the life. We sang about that just a moment ago. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the right path to life. I mean, there couldn't be a more clear statement about that in all of the Bible. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. You don't, come to, you don't come into a relationship with God through Holy Communion or baptism or being a member of a church or reading the King James Bible or anything else except Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Period. No one comes to the Father except through me. This past Friday night, I saw a, a woman, a mom, wrestle with that concept for about two or three hours in my office and finally surrender her heart to Jesus and say, yes, I believe Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So we have a new sister in Christ. Jesus is the right path to life. And so this father figure in Proverbs chapter 4 is looking deeply into the eyes of his beloved sons. He wants the best for them. And he urges them to set their hearts firmly on the only prize in all the world that cannot fail. You want to get on the right path? You've got to follow Jesus. You want to learn how to live a successful life? You have to follow Jesus. You want to learn how to do well in business? You want to learn how to lead your family? You want to learn how to, uh, how to follow after Christ on the, on the, the path that is, is, is not easily trodden? You have, to, you have to follow Jesus. He is the way. And he will never lead you astray. Proverbs 4 not only tells us how to get going on the right path, also helps us how to keep going on the right path. It teaches us how to keep going on the right path. And you'll notice here there's a contrast between the path of the wicked and the path of the righteous in these verses. And one of them, hello, leads into a minefield. Guess which one? So Proverbs 4.14, the writer says, Do not enter the path of the wicked and do not walk in the way of the evil. Avoid it, do not go on it, turn away from it and pass on. For they cannot sleep. Listen to this. These wicked people, the way of the evil, they cannot sleep unless they have done wrong. They are robbed of sleep unless they have made someone stumble. I mean, who does that? Who who lives like that? The evil, the wicked, the proverb says. And for they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. Verse 18, though, gives us the alternative, but the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until full day. Wow, these verses are just so vibrant and so expressive and colorful. You know, we don't, we don't really use language like that. We don't describe people. Or maybe you describe the, the, the neighbor with the noisy dog who doesn't stop barking all night long with words like this, but... 
They're just very expressive words. The key metaphor in this passage is the path. The path of the wicked, the path of the righteous. And the best way to, 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 to stay on the right path is to never set foot on the wrong path in the first place. You say, well, that goes without saying. That's just logic. It's also the wisdom of God. Just don't go there. Don't set your foot on that path. Don't click on that website. Don't buy that magazine. Don't rent that DVD. Don't go there. Proverbs 4.14 Do not enter the path of the wicked. And do not walk in the way of the evil. Avoid it. Do not go on it. Turn away from it. And pass on. It's just such practical wisdom. You know? It's just down-to-earth practical wisdom. There are two ways to live. You can take the way of the wicked, which leads to death, or you can take the path of the righteous, which leads to life and fullness and, and blessing. Say, God is sovereign. Yes, he is. And he directs the path, the footsteps of the righteous. Yes, he does. But we also have a responsibility under God to make wise, informed choices along the way. And you can make a choice today as to which path you're going to go on. Is it going to be the path of wisdom? Or the path of the wicked? And when you stay on the path of the righteous, which is the way of wisdom, it will shine brighter and brighter until full day. That's, that's what verse 18 says. So I think it means that as, you, as we grow in faith, your heart keeps seeking the way, the truth, and the life. And, 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 and over time... As you grow in faith, the, 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 the light of God begins to shine brighter through your life. Other people start to recognize that there's something different about you and ask you for a reason for your faith. Philippians 1.6, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. See, it's not completed until the day of Christ Jesus. So that implies that there's a lot of growth that goes on between now and then. Jesus began the good work in you. Jesus will continue the good work in you. And Jesus will put the period at the end of the paragraph when it's finished. But you make the choice to get on that path in the first place. Proverbs 4 also gives us very wise instruction on how not to get lost along the way. Gives us good information on how to get going on the right path, how to stay on the right path, and now how not to get lost along the way. If you talk to my wife, she might, she might tell you that there are times when I am directionally challenged. I, I'm so glad for my GPS. But my wife, well, should I tell that story or not? My wife is less trusting in the GPS than I am. She goes old school. She takes out the map. And she wants me to make sure I'm on the right path so we get there on time. I tend to get lost along the way sometimes. And I, I keep reminding her of the one time in the 38 years that we've been married that she got us lost. So I, I still can't trust her because one time about... 27 years ago, we got lost in Calgary, and I never let her forget it. Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep your heart with all vigilance, 
for from it flow the springs of life. So in this final chapter, this wise father calls us to pay attention to every single step we take. He's calling us to really concentrate. Keep your heart with all vigilance. The New International Version says it a little bit differently. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. See, the word heart in the book of Proverbs regularly refers to the center of your life, the center of one's life, the, the, the part of you that, that is orientated toward God. And so with the heart you, you feel, with the heart you, you think, with the heart you choose, that's how Proverbs uses the word heart uh, in this book. And Solomon tells us, the writer of this proverb, tells us uh, to guard our hearts above all else. So, so he's stressing the importance of, of keeping vigilant and guarding your heart. and don't, letting, don't let stuff in there that shouldn't be in there. Guard it. Be vigilant at all times, 24-7. Keep a guard on your heart. Because that will keep us on the right path. And that will prevent us from losing our way. What can we do? Well, make sure that your affections push you in the right direction. Put boundaries on your desires. Don't go after everything you see. Look straight ahead. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Don't get sidetracked by sin and apply the gospel to your heart every single day. Just like every day. Jesus said in Matthew 15, 11, it's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth, that defiles a person. In other words, life does not flow from the outside in. Life flows from the inside out. And it's what's in here that really matters. It's not so much what I eat and what I drink. That, that it's what's in here already. It's what I allow into my heart We need our hearts to be unceasingly filled with the ever-fresh love of Christ by faith in the gospel. We need our our hearts to be incessantly infused with the ever-present grace of God by faith in the gospel. We need our hearts to be endlessly occupied by the overwhelming power of God by faith in the gospel. This is the better way. This is the way of wisdom. So guard your hearts. Guard your heart. One day, Jesus was at a feast and he stood up and said in a loud voice, Let everyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture says, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Beautiful passage of scripture. We will not lose our way on this journey of life, on this path, if we keep coming to Jesus And drinking of his acceptance and his forgiveness and his love and his grace and his peace and his wisdom. Everything else flows from deep within here. It flows out and the spirit of God is at work in us by the power of the resurrection. That's what begins to flow out. God's work in us, in our hearts, by the power of the Holy Spirit will work its way out. And the day gets brighter and brighter as time goes on. My friend, your heart and my heart is longing 
for satisfaction. Right? But Jesus is the only one who can satisfy. You ask the 110,000 fans that were at the big house this weekend. You ask them this morning how satisfying that game was. It fades instantly. The next morning it's over. You wake up after drinking too much the night before, you ain't very satisfied. Jesus satisfies the longing of our hearts. Overwhelmingly, eternally, forever, fully satisfies. It's just how God created us. He, he, he made us with, with eternity in our hearts and, and only Jesus can fill that. Some of you may think you came here for the block party and we're glad you did. But I think God has you here this morning so you can hear this, that Jesus is the only one who brings satisfaction for life. And so, Proverbs 4.24, here comes the very practical advice and application of the message by the writer of Scripture himself. Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward and, and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil because only Jesus can satisfy. Look straight ahead. Keep your eyes fixed on him. Don't be distracted with what's to the right or to the left. Keep your eyes fixed on him. Only Jesus can satisfy us. And he can satisfy fully and forever. He is my reward and my devotion. There's nothing in this world that could ever satisfy. Christ is enough for me. Can you say that this morning? Christ is enough for me. Jesus satisfies. Can you say that? Will you say that? Jesus is the only path of life. And he is everything I need. Let's pray together. Fairest Lord Jesus, ruler of all nature, we, we come to you this morning to declare again to the seen and the unseen worlds that we believe in you and that you are enough for us. You're enough for our salvation, our hope, our peace. You're the only path into life, eternal life and abundant life, and we worship you today. Lord, just would you please give us the grace we need for every day to stay on the right path, the path of wisdom, the gospel path of righteousness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.